There is sunshine in my soul today, more glorious and bright than glows in any earthly sky. For Jesus is my light. Oh, there's sunshine, blessed sunshine, when the peaceful, happy moments roll. When Jesus shows his smiling face, there is sunshine in my soul. There's music in my soul today, a carol to my King. And Jesus, listening, can you hear the songs I cannot sing? Oh, there's sunshine, blessed sunshine, when the peaceful, happy moments roll, when Jesus shows his smiling face, there is sunshine in my soul. There's springtime in my soul today, for when the Lord is near, the dove of peace sings in my heart. The flowers of grace appear. Oh, there's sunshine, blessed sunshine. <coughs> when the... <coughs> <clears throat> following along the same the same thought and uh, continuing through our study in second Corinthians um, <clears throat> we'll begin reading in the first six verses um, do y'all feel like reading around tonight okay so uh, we'll read first six verses did you would you like to read or no I mean you don't have to I know she's she's she can be a hand when she wants to bolt. <laughs> so I guess we'll split it. Um, uh, I'll read the first three verses. If you'll read the sec the three three through six, I'll read one through three. So it says, "Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by meekness and gentleness in Christ, of who in the presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you, but to, but." I beg you that I, when I am present, I may not be bold with the, that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Hey, that was in 1 Corinthians. Oh, Yeah, I read three, so you'll read four, five, and six. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to God through the pulling of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and have 
Oh, no, six is good. Six is good. We'll stop there for now. So, talking about the the topic here as he begins, is he's talking about um, those that that they are, um, as he addresses the church here at Corinth, he says, even though I'm, I'm absent from you, he says, I'm pleading with you, meekness and gentleness of Christ, he says, um, he says, I'm lowly among you. He says, but being absent, I'm bold towards you. He's like, I, I want you to be aware of these things. I'm taking some boldness here to, to speak to you regarding uh, your service here. He says, especially in verse 2 when he says the latter part there, he says that when, when I am present, I may not be bold with confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as, that, as if we walk according to the flesh. So, he says, I, I don't want to come to you with boldness. He says, addressing as I do some of these that, con, that consider that we're walking according to flesh. He says, but he says, we walk in the flesh. I think he's talking about physically walking there in the flesh. Um, but he says, we do not war according to the flesh. He said, this is not, this is not a war of flesh and blood. It's a spiritual war. Uh, he's talking about warring about warring between uh, those things which are against Christ. He says, therefore, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down of arguments, and even the high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought into captivity to obedience of Christ. Uh, of obedience of Christ. So what do you think the importance of that is? He says, we, we, even though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. It's because... Our battle is not not in this flesh. It's regarding a spiritual nature, our, our life to come. Um, one of the cases when we read back in, over in Daniel, that when Daniel had the vision and talked with the messenger over there, I think it was, I had this thought earlier. Let's see here. It says, uh, chapter 10, you don't have to turn over there, but chapter 10 of Daniel, verse 10 says, Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, and understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you, while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And then he said, Do not fear, Daniel, for the first day that your heart... Uh, to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I have been left alone there with the kings of Persia. And now I have come to make you understand that you will what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision verifies to many days yet to come. When he had spoken these words and uh, to me, I turned to face towards the ground and became speechless. And suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. And then I opened my mouth and spoke and sang of them, uh, them who stood before me. My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows are overwhelming me. 
and I have retained no strength. For now, how can a servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me, nor have breath left me. Then again, the one with the likeness of, of man touched me and strengthened me and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you and be strong. Yes, be strong. And he spoke to me the words, uh, spoke to me and I was strengthened. And he said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. He says, and whom I do you know that well, I have come to you and now I re must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you that what is noted in the scripture of truth, no one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. So the account there in Daniel talks about spiritual spiritual warfare. He's addressing there uh, Michael. He mentions uh, Gabriel as well and, and other parts of that text. And he talks about the princes, uh, withstanding the princes of, of the kingdom of Persia. So there was some warfare going on in that particular passage that was spiritual in nature. It's the same thing that Paul was addressing over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's often hard for us to understand because we, we understand in terms of flesh and blood. We don't understand the things that we don't see to some degree. But we have faith and we know they exist. So, so we have, we, we, we know that these things occur, but it's, it is hard for our mind to understand sometimes. Paul said, these people that are, that are talking about this, talking about they walk according to the flesh. It's like, that's not the case. We were in the spirit. He said, our God is able to pull down stronghold, cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We see that example um, when the Ark of the Covenant was delivered into the hands of the Philistines and they put him in the, the temple of their God there, what happened? It wreaked, God, the presence of God wreaked havoc on the temple there that he was a part of. Broke, broke the, the statues and put, pulled them down. It was because the Lord God was saying, these things are nothing. You're messing with the wrong thing here. I, I'm the true God and they're gonna, they're gonna be ob obedient to me, because they have not the power. So, Paul's addressing these issues here. He said, "Look," he says, "this this is not about about flesh, but it's about the spirit." We see the same thing with the uh, the sons of Sceva that we talked about. What's it? Two Sundays ago, or is it last Sunday? the seven sons of Sceva that was the Jewish priest there, they were trying to cast out demons and the name of this Jesus whom Paul preaches and what did the demons say? Of Jesus we know and Paul we know who you speak, but who are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then they commenced to beat them, didn't they? Mm -hmm. So they didn't have the authority, the, the, the authority given, that God had given to the church there right. as they had. They're like, well, we're going to, I almost think that they said, well, we're going to try this and see if this works, but we've seen them do this or we've heard about them doing this. So I think, too, that they thought they could make money out of it. They thought they could make, yeah. I mean, that's and that's very much the case with a lot of those things. <clears throat> Especially about the woman. You, you look like a 
the the woman of divinate the one that had the mind of divinations and her masters were like when they rebuked the spirit to come out of her they were mad they're like you need to pay us our money back <laughs> you know and that's when they hauled them i think they hauled them before the magistrate and said these people defrauded us of our money they preached this 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 god <laughs> so <clears throat> it goes to show you it, it translated shows you that there's those things are there and that they are present in this world. So Paul's making sure that they're aware of this, that this is not something that's just between flesh. It's There's a spiritual thing at stake there that, that's going on. <clears throat> and I don't profess to know much about it, but I do understand just what, what the Scripture talks about in these accounts, that it is something that's beyond our comprehension sometimes. I mean, you look back at Christ and the man that... The, uh, the man at the man of the Gadara and what he did he says we're a legion for me we're many and he said flee and he says they went into the pigs and ran off the cliff so the same thing there those spirits were there so again this this conflict that we're facing here is just not it's beyond the flesh but the power of God provides the best offense and defense against the powers of the powers of the of darkness and the powers of Satan that that we don't quite under we don't quite have, understand. That's why our walk with the Lord, when we place our trust in the Lord, He is able to to take care of these things, the afflictions that we face in this flesh. Uh, of the same sort, and many may disagree with me, but the afflictions that we have in the flesh are of of sometimes of a spiritual nature. The difficulties that we the pains we have. We talked about depression earlier today and how depression is can keep people down and it can keep people away and not want to talk to people. That's a, that's a spiritual affliction, especially in our service to Lord. I can speak to that at least as what I've dealt with in my life. So it works on your brain. Works on your brain. Scripture talks about serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. So affects all of that, doesn't it? So again, looks like we've made it down through verse six here. He says, "And being ready to punish all disobedience when your when your obedience is fulfilled." Who is he talking about? He's talking about the Lord's return there. And when he says, "When all uh, all obedience disobedience will be punished, when your obedience is fulfilled." So it's not something that's 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 trivial. It's a trivial thing here. This is this is a very real and present thing that we deal with. So the Lord's weaponry is irrefutable. His power. The difference between true belief and others is this, that other other beliefs, love is not a tolerable thing. It's not something that's manifest. You look at all the religions of the world, and what do you see? What's absent from that? Love. We talked a little bit about love this morning, but they don't talk about a loving God. They talk about you know a host of gods that are hard to please. Or you could serve one and offend the other. 
Um, thank goodness our God is not fickle. <laughs> you know, uh, the difference is too that you see other religions out there that that talk about how how violent they're to be towards other towards other faiths. Does our faith demand that of us? Absolutely not. But those things are of a deceiving spirit. And their action is, the action here is that we not be unaware of these things. Paul is warning the assembly here when he comes. He says, I don't want you, I don't want to come and be bold as I am with some, with you. He wants them to recognize this. Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. is where we'll turn, we'll turn this one place I'd like to reference. 1 Timothy chapter 1. In verse 18 through 20. <clears throat> says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and good conscience, some have reje having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered Cypric, of whom are Hermanius and Alexander, of whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So again here, he's talking, uh, talking. Paul is addressing Timothy here, regarding his service to the Lord. And he says, uh, I, I'm giving you charge, Timothy. You need to be aware about these prophecies that have been made concerning you. He says, that you may wage good warfare, that you may be prepared. His concern there was that, he says, you have having good faith, having faith and good conscience, there's others out there that have rejected this. They've rejected concerning the faith, and he says they've, what? They've suffered, they've suffered shipwreck. And he notes those two, those two there, Hymenaeus and Alexander. Sometimes I'd really like to know what happened with Hymenaeus and Alexander, but I'm sure it's probably not worth noting that what happened there. Were blaspheming the teachings of God, but what what the New Testament teachings were that they were blaspheming it. Um, and and to note there, I think is it's I think one of the things I looked at said that um, that having once professed faith, having once professed this faith, that they have now turned around and sought to destroy it. So they've they've been either misled. Um, corrupted and so they suffered this he says and I've delivered them over to Satan that they might learn not to blaspheme but, uh, yeah also there's something about blaspheming against the Holy Ghost yeah I mean denying the yeah denying the spirit denying the spirit or denying you even had it mm -hmm. which is sort of along the same way mm -hmm. sounds like it's raining out there we come to rain, get me. Which is good. 
getting buzzed by a wasp. <laughs> so we see in this, just in this particular thing, this is the proof of the difference, the proof here and the difference between the flesh and the spirit that he's accounting here to Timothy. Um, Ephesians chapter 6 is the next place we'll turn. Only thank the Lord for the rain. Yeah. Our brethren in Arkansas have said that they haven't had rain in like a month. They said it's hot and dry. That's unusual. Mm-hmm. Really, really unusual. Maybe once every 10 years, 11 years. But I pray for rain for them. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 through 13. Joe, would you like to read that? 10 through 13? Yeah. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the ruler of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Uh, what, how far do you want me to read? That, that was good right there. Yeah. And, but I, I look at this, I've always read it. You know, it says, having done all to stand, stand, therefore. Otherwise, you, you don't back up on your service to God. Mm-hmm. G- giving reference to standing firm, right? Yeah. Um, what happens in military, we've seen this in movies, and we've seen it, we've heard of, uh, of it accounted, that when somebody gives up, when you stood on an enemy line, when you were lined up before the days of, you know, modern warfare, they would line up shoulder to shoulder with not any space between them and march right to the enemy lines and they had different formations to try to break up the enemy or confuse them um, one of the typical one of the typical um, formations that come to my mind was a phalanx was it was called a phalanx formation and it was kind of a point it put them to a point and it come to push into the enemy lines and kind of wedge them and divide them so they could get and divide the enemy forces so they weren't unified. And it was meant to confuse. And they would do different formations so that they could confuse the enemy and get the advantage. So that giving that standing firm was that they wouldn't give their position because if they backed up, if somebody backed up out of that troop, that was a weak link and that was a way for the enemy to get in. Um, so I think about that quite often uh, when I think about in terms of the armor the armor that's talking about here. He goes on and he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So again, it's talking about spiritual warfare here. The admonition here is that, uh, as to the church at Ephesus, which we know by uh, historical accounts was a, was a hotbed of immorality and pagan worship. Um, Ephesus was the chief was the chief uh, 
seat of the uh, worship of goddess, the goddess Diana, the goddess of love. And knowing that, you know, there was a lot of immorality there, a lot of things that were taking place that, that were contrary. So this was a hard, hard place to be. Wasn't it Alexander the silversmith, I think, that persecuted them quite a bit there? Uh, persecuted Paul and them and caused them a lot of trouble. Um, so this was this was a hard place, but the reasoning that behind him talking about this armor here and about about being standing firm and about what they're facing is because he didn't want them to be caught at unawares. He wanted them to understand that they're facing something far greater here than what they under than what the average human mind understands. But he says, he says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. These, this is the things of the powers that go against against God, Satan and the powers of darkness. He does. He says it without mentioning it there. Um, but then his his admonition there was that they take up the armor of God, that they might be able to withstand that. Without being spiritually prepared, we can't serve the Lord, and we let alone go into battle and fight these wars against things that we don't recognize. Our, whether it be our mental, our mental health, that's, you know, those things affect our spiritual service, doesn't it? Our physical, our physical health is affected by those things that are spiritual nature. This is not something the world typically tends to understand, uh, which is one of the reasons why I thought it was it was good that we would cover this, is that one of the things the scripture talks about is praying. Praying is a spiritual is a, is a matter of spiritual warfare. Jubilee, sit in that seat right now, young lady. So, spiritual warfare is so different than a natural warfare where you just see your enemies and shoot one another, you know? Right. I mean, this, the devil comes from all directions. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's one of the things that that we fail to, that sometimes we fail to acknowledge is that there's a far far greater host of things out there that are that that Satan has at his disposal than than we like to recognize but the wonderful thing is is who created them they did ab- abandon their natural their their natural abode as he had created them to so naturally who holds the power over that god still does wow Satan and all of his on all of his devices and all his powers of darkness there, they have limitations because God God allowed it to be. So he's gonna try to wreak as much havoc and change as many hearts and minds as he can. So the admonition here is that we be strengthened and encouraged in the scripture and properly placing on our spiritual armor, which doesn't come by leaving our books on the shelf and get gather dust, does it? It requires us to study the Word of God. It requires us to come together when uh, when we are scheduled to meet together. 
It requires us to pray. I mean, he goes on down there in those whole ver- those those verses, going talking about the full armor of God. He says, "Stand therefore, having girded your waist about with the truth, and having been put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always and with all prayer and supplication, the spirit being watchful unto the end." with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. So he's talking, he's putting us in a different perspective about being spiritually prepared. You can't just go, oh, I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation. It takes preparation, doesn't it? He mentions it in a specific order, which I find is kind of interesting. Not that that's just hardcore the way it should be. But he says there, having girded your waist about with the truth. We know that, I think I've mentioned this, We've had a, I had a message on this a couple months ago, if not longer, about girding your loins with the truth. That's, that's a pretty sensitive area. There's no protection in your, in your loins. Your, that covers your abdomen and your waist and down into your groin area. There's no physical protection like your, your essential organs, your heart, your lungs, you know, um, your cardiac system. There's no protection here that's provided in your chest like the rib cage does for the rest of your internal, you know, uh, organs there. So he says, be guarded with the truth. Those are the sensitive spots that provides protection, doesn't it? He's trying to get the point across that being prepared in your, in, in your weakest places. What does the truth do? The truth protects us, doesn't it? It sheds light on things. It reveals that the things that are contrary to the work of the Lord. He goes on there and he says, put the breastplate of righteousness on. Who provides that? The Lord does. Scripture tells us we can't be righteous. We can't please the Lord in the flesh. We can't be righteous. Scripture also tells us in, in Hebrews He's talking, uh, to, when he's talking about Abraham, that it was reckoned to Abraham, but through his faith it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So we better put our hope and our trust in the Lord, shouldn't we? Making that spiritual preparation. Because we ain't going to make it on our own merits. <laughs> it's the Southern coming through. I'm sorry, we ain't. <laughs> So he says there, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So ought to, ought, to, ought to prepare our feet to walk what? To walk the way the Lord would have us to. To present. This is with the preparation of the gospel. Being prepared to walk in the ways of the Lord. And show that to all men. He talks about the shield of faith, which is able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And the difficult times when, it, when it's hardest pressed and we're having a lot of difficulty, what delivers us through? Faith, doesn't it? Our faith in Christ, knowing that we don't have to fight that battle. The Lord will fight it for us. It may be difficult still, but the Lord ultimately has the victory. There are days when I forget that myself. Those are hard days, and typically it 
snaps, I snap back to attention and it's like, okay, I understand, Lord. Then he goes on and says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. So having been physically prepared with, uh, with the gospel, having our way skirted with the truth, so we've put on all these things that help, what, provide a ways for us to, to move around, to understand, and to provide protection, right, for our internal organs, in a manner of speaking. Then he tells us to put on the helmet of salvation towards the end of that, doesn't he? So you've made spiritual preparations. You got to this point where you're crowned with salvation. Why? Because you're trusting in the Lord. You're walking with the Lord and you're diligently preparing for his service to make this warfare with the powers that be. And then, of course, he talks about the sword of the Spirit. So what? What does it talk about the Spirit? It's able to divide even to the what? The joint and marrow? So it can judge the intents of men, right? And any power for that matter. So he says, which is the word of God? We can look into this book and tell, and, and, and it tells us, it provides us with what's right and wrong, doesn't it? Right. It enlightens us. It can even, it talks about being able to cut us to the quick. It's a double-edged sword. If we don't wield it properly, it'll... It'll fillet us and show us what just what inadequacies we have. Right. This is praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful unto the end of all perseverance and supplication of the saints. Then he goes on talking about prayer and our preparation. We have to be more prepared than we are, and the only way we can do that is by hitting our knees. Going to the Lord in prayer. Most of the time we like to handle things ourselves, but we, re- we have to recognize that we can't handle things by ourselves. No. It's only through the goodness of the Lord and His direction, if we seek it, that He'll provide us what we need to, to overcome. He goes on there in verse 19, he says, And for me the utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So, that through prayer and supplication, we might seek the Lord's guidance on how we ought to deal with things that we're encountering. We receive our orders from the Lord, don't we? We should. Some of us need more training, don't we? (laughs) Some of us definitely need more training. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I know I'm going over a little bit, but uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Just real quickly. Just three, three short verses. It says, now, uh, now this I say, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I, am, I will tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. 
For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality, so that this corruptible has put on incorruption, and the mortal has put on immortality. Then shall we be uh, brought to pass the written saying, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of, sin, of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the, is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I know that's more than what I said I would read, but it was just it's too good to pass up. So he says, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. He talks about over there what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He talks about that. He says, this is not a flesh and blood thing. This is a spiritual matter. This life is fleeting and it is temporary. It's carnal. It's going to pass away. But what's the goal? Inheriting the kingdom of God. That's the goal. So we better we better be be aware here. We better be spiritually training because this is a war that's not going to be won with hands. <laughs> it's going to be won spiritually speaking, isn't it? Submitting to the Lord. There is nothing that we can obtain in this flesh by ourselves that will deliver us from this world. Romans chapter eight is the last place our study and we'll come to a close. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. We'll see what Brother Paul has to say at the church in Rome. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pale or sword? As it is written... For your sake we have killed all the day long and we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are, uh, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death, depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what's the point there? He goes back up there further in a couple of those verses. says, It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen and who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God or love of Christ? So we're looking to him we're looking to him through spiritual obedience, through seeking his guidance and wisdom. The spirit that is given to the church provides the counsel, provides the insight, provides the comfort. That's what he's talking about. He's talking to the church there. He says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing can. He's talking to people that have been, have what? Have submitted themselves to God. Right. 
through Christ. Those that are submitted into Christ and truly are doing these things, they can't be separated from the love of God if they're doing the will of God. heard of I've heard of many accounts of people trying to buy people's way into heaven. Yeah. But Lord good Lord can't be bought with money money this earth has. I think that's the importance of the scripture talking about, you know, the ma, uh, the moths will corrupt the garments and things will rust and yeah. deal away with those things won't endure is because he's trying to get the point across, hey, you can't buy your way into the kingdom. <laughs> it, you pay, only way you can buy, uh, only way you can get in the kingdom is through, through Christ. He mentions that over in, in Romans as well. So we have to remember that the battle. Who does the battle belong to? The Lord, doesn't it? The scripture talks about the belongs to Him. I mentioned earlier, we're vessels to do His good will and pleasure. So guess what? We're created to do it. We're created. We're, we should be doing it. He also does say that there are vessels for honor and dishonor too. So, well, that's all I've got for you this evening. We made it through. We don't have to cover a whole chapter in one in one class, do we? <laughs> no, we covered the whole book. We covered the whole book, didn't we? We had we covered nine verses. That's as far as we got in our in our study in Corinthians, but. Uh, the 10th chapter there so we'll probably cover more of that next week so any comments questions parting shots no. not well, that old song we used to sing to be like Jesus to be like Jesus on earth to be like him that's right and that's the in his footsteps mm-hmm I think we talked about it last week too. Changed in the likeness of uh, putting on the mind of Christ. Yeah. Putting on the mind of Christ. That's, that's that's exactly the same point there. Being like Christ. Be like Jesus. Right. Well, that's all I have for you this evening. Thanks for your attention. We're 15 minutes past the hour like we were this morning. So, enjoyed it. So we'll stand to be dismissed.